the Breda Kloof, just an hour's drive from Cape Town in South Africa, hidden amongst dramatic mountain ranges near the lazy flow of the Breed River, hides an array of lush vineyards and 20 wineries. One such winery is located on the northwestern fringes of the Breda Kloof, between Worcester and Ceres. That winery is Wabba's River Winery. And if you think that's what I'm trying to rhyme this episode, I'm just getting started. That's because this winery takes its name from wagon trees, trees that were harvested to make wagon wheels. Their bark used for tanning and ink extracted from the leaves. Those trees are technically called Protea nitidia, previously Protea arborea, and grow everywhere in the Bredekloof. It is from them that this winery takes its name for their signature line that includes Sauvignon Blanc, Pinotage, Arborea Red, and Shiraz. And so today, on the occasion of the final episode of Season 3 of Doom Patrol, I raise a glass of Wagon Boom right here in the Doom Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. Doom. Boom, boom. You're in the Doom Room. I'm Justin, and I'm doomed. (laughs) All the way to the end before you gave up, huh, Justin? (laughs) <laughs> That's how we do it. You're Pete. Here we go. I'm Pete. Okay, we're going to be talking about Doom Patrol Season 3 finale, Season 3, Episode 10, Amends Patrol. So we are finally here at the end. As Justin mentioned in the last episode, there is going to be a Season 4, so we will be back for that. Yes. But- Spoiler warning here, because we're going to be talking about spoilers out the wazoo, but after the climactic events of the last episode, everybody is kind of without their powers for the most part, but the big conflict is between Laura DeMille and Rita Farr that comes to a head here, but with a surprising amount of forgiveness by the end, where ultimately Laura tentatively joins the team, and ultimately everybody decides, you know, we're going to try being a super team with our new powers, our new situations that, of course, we'll be getting into here on the podcast. And by the end, they have decided to travel through time three minutes into the future to fight a nutsack. And that's where we leave our season. Uh, I'll just say this out here. I know we've been back and forth is probably too strong because I think uh, as a whole, we really like the season as well, or at least I'll say that I like the season as well. But I think this was the best season finale they've done so far. Interesting. Oh, wow. I, um, I would I would have to agree with that because this was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, uh, I I don't know. There were some questions unanswered. Well, the reason I say this is twofold. One, it's kind of by default, so it's a little unfair because the last season was the ninth episode. They got caught up by COVID, so it just sort of ended. And then picked up at the beginning of this season. And then the season one finale, I think we've kind of wrapped up the Mr. Negative stuff. And then there was that extra episode there, which was still very good. But this is the one that felt the most to me like a season finale and work like a season finale. And I think also, given that the previous episode, like we were talking about, I wasn't sure what direction it was going to go in or how this was going to build the season finale levels. My expectations were a little low, so they were beyond met by what happened here, and that ultimately we ended up at a place that felt like it was almost wrapping up three seasons of the show and kicking it into the next three to nine, let's say, I thought was really cool. Well, here's the thing. It's funny you say that because I liked this episode, but it it was way less focused. There wasn't Mm. that villain villain that they were chasing down like the end of season one. 
because I think the end of season one is my favorite finale. This one felt like um, just sort of a wander into the darkness kind of situation. Oh, well, take it easy on that. I mean, that had some wind up. It was, it was great. But there was, because there wasn't a, a villain villain and Madame Rouge ends up joining the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we always, I think we were always like, Reed has gone too far. So we're not fully behind Too far. Anyone. I get it. Yep. Reed of uh, Yep, good. Too far. Uh, we're not fully behind anyone in their decisions in this final episode. And so it's, it feels like there's less of that, you know, drive to the end. I maybe, and then I'd love to hear what Pete thinks about this. Maybe the reason I liked it is because there was no villain because the ultimate villain of doom patrol is themselves. Yeah. They're kind oh, of like, it's no, main... yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they celebrated a victory and, uh, LT pointed out like it was from ourselves. <laughs> we stopped a giant robot. That was cliff. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there is, there but is I, a... I like that. I think what I liked backing off from having a big blowout villain fight, because the past two seasons when they've done that, that doesn't feel like the show to me versus having Rita and Laura, Rita strangling Laura and Laura apologizing. And that being the emotional high point of the episode, really, even beyond like Rita Turing giant and ultimately becoming a hero and stopping Cliff from destroying a little league game. Uh, Those are the sort of like, (laughs) like low stakes, big stakes, but focused on the emotional aspects of the episode and the characters that I like about the show. And I like better than facing down big villains because whenever they face down big villains, every time they're like, no, we don't want to do that. So uh, again, I, I see why it didn't quite work for you, Justin, but it worked well, it, for me. It worked. I just was responding to like, this was the best season finale, I guess of all time. Of all time. Said, of all time. Yeah. 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 Ever aired on television. Yes. Uh huh. Um, because I, I like, you know, I love this show. I love this episode. All the characters, found fun ways to like fuck up basically in this uh final episode and come together in a way that is funny like just to go out in the line of cliff screaming doom force and, and they're like screaming, no. yeah yeah <laughs> it's great it's very doom patrol and i'm wondering how we change our podcast now that it's doom force mm, great question oh. i think we're gonna call it the doom vestibule and i'll just be rhyming things with vestibule next season that shouldn't be a problem. We didn't run it. We didn't run out of gas on room. <laughs> Pete, what about you? You haven't said what you thought about this episode. Uh, I, I, I have said. I've said that I, I thought it was great. Oh, I, I wasn't listening. It. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, you know, it's hard because it's like you know we talk about things that work and things that don't work. And Alex, right now, you're not working for me because like normally behind you, you have your nerd cred, <laughs> you, you have Funko you? Pops. Yeah. But you're in your office, and I'm like, whatever, geek. Go back to, you know, like, filing wow. papers. Like, I, I don't trust you right now, so it's a little hard to, like, I'm sorry, open, I don't, while we're getting up. into it, have a weird blue glow over my face because I didn't clean my camera after I was, what, jerking off? Oh, ouch, <laughs> oh my ouch. God. And someone this who is... always complains about the sun coming in and giving a weird thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... Uh... Anyways, As this, this conversation this shows, my work computer. we we are the Doom Patrol. <laughs> you jerk off to your work computer, Pete? Come no, on, that's what I'm saying. It's, my work computer. it's better than it's better than working off to your jerk computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I I thought that this was a kind of fun 
classic Doom Patrol of like we're gonna do things our way and our kind of like giant ending is like Cliff Cliff being ridiculous and everybody being like, Oh god, Cliff, we love you, you horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> I Cliff was great in this episode. I thought everybody individually was great in this episode. To your point, like Back off of what I was saying a little bit. There are a lot of things going in different directions. And last episode, we did talk about how uh, we weren't sure how some of the things were going to come together. You're never going to get that blue glove. It's light. I got bad news for you. It's light. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, it's the lighting. Uh, Jane, in particular, all the underground stuff, I think they played it out really nicely throughout the episode with her constantly falling unconscious. But... That underground stuff wasn't resolved and is very much her own thing and didn't play out necessarily in the real world in the same real, way. Real quick, shouldn't you be doing a meeting on Synergy or something? Like, do you need to do you need to go or are you all right? What? <laughs> He's just, just roasting you because you have a job that you have. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I got a job. I apologize. Uh, um, what uh, should we walk through the episode? I, I do want to start. I realized that the last episode we didn't actually mention the thing. I don't think about K seemingly having powers and wrecking the bus, which is where we start here. Um, since we're talking about Jane anyway, in that plot line over the course of the episode, she literally and figuratively wanders through the fogs. She finds all of the personalities in there. They're being hid by Shelley. Ultimately, they come back because they're being dissolved. They rescue Kay, or seem to rescue Kay, but before we do that, it seems like Jane has given up being the primary to Dr. Harrison, which is kind of bad news for everybody. Yeah, that's not good. She doesn't seem good. So so what did you think about Jane's storyline in general? Well, first off, I did like the kind of like uh, Jane and Fogg having kind of like a little bit moment at the end there where it was like... uh, and it was interesting to hear Kay in, uh, the, I think it was the last episode, talk about how much she liked being in the fog. And it was like, yeah, it's a little kid in a giant candy store. They're going to want to go back there. So I thought that kind of like made sense. Wow, um, Pete loves fog. Who would have thought? Uh, but I, I think that there was this kind of like interesting thing of like, oh, all of us all just wander around the fog. Uh, but, uh, kind of like the doom patrol, they kind of came together last minute and realized like, Hey, if we kind of, uh, and big driller moment where she was kind of like, finally my time to shine, we're all ants. Let's get to work. Like that was, uh, it was fun to see them kind of like undig themselves from their kind of problems. And, uh, and it seems like Jane can kind of like maybe use some of the different powers cause she zapped right into the robot's head there at the end. So like. She didn't need to go and get somebody else, so maybe she can kind of get in touch with stuff. It seems like Jane's journey throughout the series has been, like, um, to get control. She was very powerful at first, but a little a little out of control. Now she's gotten control of sort of the trauma side, but now she's negotiating with a bunch of uh, people who are not nice. Um, yeah. The secretary and Chainsaw Nun casually hanging out. Oh, man. Just holding that chainsaw. Like, she's going to be a problem. Um, so I, I think I liked where it ended up, um, with her and it feels like now we have this like democratic process, um, where Jane's going to be wrestling for control, but in a less, uh, stressful way from our, our standpoint. Well, that was the thing. The sit down at the end made me think of like this thing of like, are, is this sit down like, Hey, I want to go up top 
Or is the sit down like the doctor wants to talk to Jane mm. about everybody, they're all their kind of stuff and like how they all work together, you know? It's like we how we argue for control of the personality that we're the underground for. Right, right. That person's a crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I do think you're right though, Pete, that they've left it open to how they want to deal with it in season four is the way that I was thinking about it. That like, it could be what we think and what we've been told that Jane gave up being primary to Dr. Harrison, but Jane never says that's what happened. That's Hammerhead saying it to Jane and telling it to us. So to your point, it could be something entirely different by the end there. I want to throw out one other theory to you guys that I've been feeling... Yeah. Before before we move on, I just want to say, like, uh, speaking of Hammerhead, that Hammerhead moment was hilarious. It was like, did you just eye fuck me and walk, keep walking? Like, hey, Hammerhead, slow up. I want to talk to you. That was hysterical. I mean, Hammerhead is great. I would love to talk to Hammerhead. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Very intimidating. Yes, there were a bunch of great Jane lines in throughout the episode that I do want to get to. But uh, just to mention my theory to throw it out to you guys, I think based on where we're going, there's a very like Pinocchio vibe with Jane where she could end up in a direction where ultimately the goal that she's professed, where she needs to fade away and they all need to fade away and that'll mean K is okay, could potentially happen at some point. But I almost think in a best-case scenario, end of show, we end up in a situation where Jane is actually a separate being from Kay on her own and gets to live her life. Uh, yeah. I think it's more of a Fraggle Rock situation where it's like mm. the underground just has to get built better and they mm. got to kind of work more and let Driller do more things, it seems like. You need some doozers, is what yeah, you're saying. Exactly, yeah, exactly. You're waiting mm. for some doozers to show yeah, up. Yeah, they got to... Yeah, it gets get some things. It seems like everything needs to be just reinforced a Did little bit. Did you see the, there was a scene towards the end of the episode when they were all eating radishes and then building tiny little structures out of them? Um, so I think you're right, Pete. That's cool. a deep cut, for, I assume, from Fraggle Rock. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the real Fraggle heads are out there listening uh, to that. I think that... uh, Can I do a quick plug? I'm so sorry to break in here, but if you guys are real Fraggle heads, check out my podcast, Get Fragged, Mm -hmm. uh, where we talk about Fraggle Rock and also Lobo. Wow. (laughs) What a crossover. Yeah. Natural. Nobody's listening so far, which is why I wanted to get... Oh, I'm going to tune in. I'm going to tune in. Thanks, man. Yep. That's sweet. What were you going to say about Jane, potentially? Um, I agree with, with what you said about um, her emerging as a different personality. I feel like that's the the power of the fog that we saw earlier in the season. Um, I think we talked about that being like, oh, now she can go do her own thing, hopefully, which feels like a natural. Then we have a new enemy because if Jane leaves the K body, then whoever takes over will probably be mm. um, not great. And two other things that I'll mention about Jane that I really liked in her plotline. One, her flirtation with Shelly is very cute. I loved Diane Guerrero's expression after Shelly tells her, you know, just come and see me sometime. That might be interesting. And she bites her lips a little bit and smiles and walk away. Very cute. Um, so very into that relationship. And the other thing that I was going to mention was her and Cliff, specifically when they think they're going to blow up because of the self-destruct. Just the real bonding there after three seasons, they're giving his brain container thing a hug was beautiful. Them joking about farts because they they just always do that. They're two little kids together. I thought, of course, 
It was it was it was very well done, well written. Um, yeah, Jane like riding it out with uh, Cliff at the end there was very adorable, and it you really get did get to see kind of three seasons of them kind of trying to be there for each other, even though uh, you know a lot of people wouldn't be. So it was nice. Should we jump over to Larry and Victor, which is a pairing that I don't think we've gotten. Yet, really? Yeah. Uh, so that was nice to see. Um, I really like them together, and I love this new, whole, more confident Victor. I just feel like I, I always mispronounce his name, but Jovian Wade, who plays the character, just like without the prosthesis and everything that he has on, it just seems free it to seems be fun weird. and funny. It's great. I it's can, like when I, fun, someone finally takes off a hat, and you're like, oh, yes, get that hat mm-hmm. off. Um, oh, I, I hate to be the weird one here, but I just couldn't, I was like, cyborg, come on, man, put it, put it back on your, your, you know, you got to go through your own journey, but uh, you're awesome as cyborg. So it was hard. It was hard for me to, I, again, to give a brief overview of the storyline, the big thing that Larry is dealing with is his little parasite baby, which we find out is called Keeg this episode. I think Keeg. found out Keeg the previous episode. Somebody said Keegaboo and I don't remember the context. But anyway, I'm just going to throw that out there. But we find out it's called Keeg. It needs to get inside of him. He can't take off his bandages without irradiating everybody. So Victor takes the new tiny little baby negative spirit inside himself until Larry can take it back. Larry powers up, kind of. He conks down during the final fight, which, again, very funny. Hilarious. Um, But the big thing that I was surprised about here is I thought this was an easy way for them to destroy Victor's synthetic skin and get him back in the cyborg suit. Right. And they didn't. He's he's still uh, totally human by the end of the episode, which I appreciated and was surprised by. Yeah. Um, I mean, if we're worried about Larry not having powers, I mean, he's good at holding stuff. He can hold, maybe he can hold stuff going forward, like different things. The negative spirit, like... Um, no, oh, people's hands, like when they mm-hmm. cross the street. Yeah. A hoagie. He could hold a hoagie. He could hold a hoagie. Now, now yeah. we're talking. Now we're talking. Who's going to hold this hoagie? Other than being creeped out about Victor looking like a normal human being, what did you think about the Larry Victor storyline, Pete? Yeah, I thought it was super sweet. I really liked how they were supporting each other. Uh, Vic, who from day one has you know, never faltered from kind of taking one for the team, doing what he thinks is right. So it's nice to see, uh, you know, regardless, you know, uh, you know, Madame Rouge had a horrible moment with Victor where she pats him on the back and it's like, you're a a useless person. I was like, damn, that's rough, man. But uh, to see kind of uh, uh, Vic uh, kind of owning uh, his skin and kind of being like, hey, this is who I am is nice. It's I, you know, he should go on whatever journey, uh, you know, he wants to. But it's 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 hard as a comic book fan not to root for Cyborg to happen. So it's a weird place to be, but uh, creative on the Doom Patrol to kind of uh, play with that. I feel like he'll have some sort of power set um, when we come back for season four. I did think it was interesting. As a, an actor, he's got to be like, listen, you got to, if we go three seasons, you got to give me like two episodes with not wearing all this stuff <laughs> all the time. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's audition- you're always auditioning for your next role as an actor. Sure, That's sure. why he stopped and, and did that scene from the upcoming Avatar movies. Oh, uh, wait, is he in that for real? 
No, I don't know. But what I did want to say is I think it's interesting that Cyborg's personal story sort of resolved last episode. And we talked so much about is Ronnie going to come back this season? And the answer is just no. Yeah. No. That's got to be a schedule thing. I know we've talked about that before. I think it's like, what are we doing with her? But also such an interesting thing to have Rita and Cyborg flip, right? The whole time, Cyborg's like, we're a superhero team. Rita was like, we're not a superhero team. Do you hear Vic finally come all the way around to be telling Rita, we're not a superhero team? was a very interesting and cool kind of journey. I did love that, and I love those notes throughout of both Victor pushing back on Rita and then ultimately when Rita gives them the big superhero speech at the end and being like, oh, now you decide to do this. Very fun moments and just plays nicely, like you're talking about, Pete, off of three seasons of character development on the show. What were you going to say, Justin? I was going to say that that moment at the beginning of the episode of We're Not a Super Team I thought was really funny when the sisterhood shows up. They're like, hey, we had a good thing with this art project we were doing. We talked about them as like big, like improv team energy. And I, I felt that when they showed up, we're like, hey, we got a show. You, you, I know you're uh, like not on the team anymore, but you should come. You can play with us. Pop in, make some real art, some real uh, physical jazz. Do you think on that note, we, we got them talking about something that we talked about in a previous episode of the podcast? Shelly mentions what happened with the eternal flagellation all over the world. And she's like, you really should have seen that. Oh, you should have seen it. It feels like there was a version of the script where they did that and they just could not do it budget wise. Does that feel right to you guys? It was weird when she said it works so well. And you're like, what? You mean you flipped people's personalities around the world? And we haven't. (laughs) But but also along along the improv thing, that to me, like someone who kind of a fun improv moment of like, oh, you should have seen the show you weren't at. We destroyed. Oh, like we were so good. (laughs) Like for the rest of the stuff you didn't see, oh, it was um, too bad you couldn't have seen it. This show, this show, not good. But the show we just did before, (laughs) that show was good. Oh, man, yeah. That's a fun one. Let's talk about Cliff. Let's move on to Cliff because uh, we mentioned him briefly. Most of the episode, he is trapped now in this giant robot that we saw previously was controlled by Mr. Negative for the Brotherhood of Evil back in season one, I believe, right? Uh, So that shows up here. Again, Laura briefly takes control of it. Then Cliff realizes he can control, take control of it. He uses it to apologize to Clara and then totally loses control for a while up until the end. But overall, I thought this was a lovely amount of growth that we saw here from Cliff. And I was really, again, very pleasantly surprised by it. What was tough was it was all talk and no real action a little bit because it was like he was a giant robot, so it was hard to him to kind of like show that he's changed. But, um, yeah, it was nice to hear him say and also the adorable, like I accidentally stepped on a Prius a couple blocks over uh, walking away from the cops. It was hysterical and classic Cliff. Uh, yeah, I liked the... I mean, Cliff's whole thing is he is he just is who he is. And things keep happening. He keeps saying he's going to be better. And then he sort of doesn't do it or does it a little bit or whatever. But this was at least a fun run where he ends up in the giant suit. He's peeking in the window at the end. Uh, like we said, all the Doom Force stuff. We're going to be a super team um, with costumes with a bunch of pockets and shit. Yeah. Like, all that stuff is 
is just fun. And he sort We're of gonna... came back to being the heart of the team as opposed to, as I said, a villain. Uh, you know, we said we're going to kick that uh, giant nuts in the nuts. I don't know what he said, but it was really funny. <laughs> yeah, there were we're so going to kick that sack in the nuts. That's what he said. Yeah, but that's a, but. Oh, can I just real quick mention one of my favorite cliff lines in the episode is when he says, "I'm trapped in a robot body." Wait, I'm always trapped. Always trapped in a robot body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should Seriously. chill out. I should take it down a notch. I'm always trapped in a giant robot body. But speaking of his body, let's take it back and see the brain living his best life in Florida. There was a kind of fun way to kind of start things as far as like that side of the story, and. It really interesting, especially the gorilla stuff was amazing. Like I thought this whole kind of like, hey, hey, what's up? Just kind of, uh, you know, the brain finally getting his due and his big kind of evil plan was to live a kind of maybe a little douchey lifestyle in Florida. But, you know, as far as evil plans go, not the worst. And so, like, it was interesting to kind of see that choice and then also how that affected the gorilla and like uh, kind of the, how things kind of uh, are fractured out from there. But, um, you know, also just a, a fun again to see this kind of like Cliff's body living a better life than Cliff ever did. Now I feel like is Cliff uh, was the brain living your dream, Pete being like a, a retiree in Boca Raton, just flirting with all the older ladies down there. Uh, I don't, that makes it sound really creepy, but, uh, not creepy flirting is flirting. I will say you're like, I don't know, but you're smiling ear to ear. As you say, (laughs) no, it's true. Is that that how your camera got like that, Pete, on your work computer? Oh, stop with that. That's bullshit. Just asking. You got to work. Why don't you go have a meeting that could go, it could have been an email. Wow, that's wow. oh boy! Sick I, I should burn. just give up at this point. <laughs> um, what what was I going to say? Oh yeah, about uh, Mala and the brain. It is interesting that Mala is like uh, the brain is going to be evil because Laura is back, but the brain just wants to hang out in Boca Raton. That's kind of what the Mala wants as well. So it feels like if the two of them had just talked. Yeah. You know, they could have hashed this out. It is also interesting as a comparison point that you have the quote-unquote villains basically giving up, and then at the end of the episode, you have the Doom Patrol deciding to be a superhero team and going all in on that. So you have them on opposite tracks as well. So it's just these subtler, or maybe not quite so subtle, but smaller thematic resonances that they have throughout the episode that I thought ultimately were very good. Also... Um, the bit about the giant robot coming from Florida and everybody being like, of course, was a funny. Was a funny. Now, at the same time, we've been mentioning Rita's storyline here, but Rita's thing is gunning for Laura DeMille the entire time. She goes to a pretty dark place, finds the brain in Cliff's body and ultimately roasts his brain. Ooh, 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 ooh. Wow. That was from a teapot. Oh, that was dark. That yeah, was an was. intense Just moment. Just slowly undoing the top, and I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? And we, we don't know. Is she going to become bad in this moment? Is she going to become good? Like, what? But, man, did they play that out really well. The the Rita Farr of it all was really nice in this episode. Well, this is my question about this is, at least in the show, we haven't seen the brain legitimately do anything evil other than being in the Brotherhood of Evil, and that's it. Rita killed him. Which is pretty evil. He could have been in the brotherhood of, like, cool. Yeah. Brotherhood of, like, fun. 
Mm-hmm. Brother Hoda let the love in. But as far as we know, she killed the brain. And then by the end of the episode, it says, we're going to be superheroes and we're going to save the world. Is this something that's going to blow back on her potentially in a season four? Yeah. Well, the fact that coupled with the fact that we've got Madame Rouge on the team and there's just a quick moment where she's like, yeah, it'll be easier to track you here. And it's like, that's a future fight Mm -hmm. um, coming. So, like, I think she's tasted the dark side a little bit. And I think there could be more of that. Yeah, unfortunately, but uh, hope we'll see. It is an interesting place for Rita, but I did. It was funny how Rita, like, as soon as saw, you know, like she had a uh, Madame Rouge had that note and she was reading and it was like, oh, you've ruined Rita's life. Starts immediately before we kind of like see Rita, we see her arms start choking her, uh, which was, uh, you know, very fun, fun power move there. And then kind of like her being like, you must be Rita. And, uh, yeah, the the Rita and Madame Rouge back and forth was really nice and built up. So I'm glad we finally got that for them to talk it out because, you know, as we said, you know, a, a lot of it is if they would have just kind of talked it out here. So uh, it was pretty big yeah. of Rita to let her on the team at the end and stuff, you know. Well, it's also exciting, I think, because Michelle Gomez is great. So I was very happy to see that she's coming back for season four. The one last thing that I wanted to say about Rita, though, just as an overall arc for the season, I think they did a really good job of starting her completely with refusal at the beginning of the season in the absence of Niles saying, I don't want to leave this. I don't. I just want to get drunk. Leave me alone. And then ultimately being the leader of this legit superhero team for the first time in three seasons, I thought was great. It was just a really well-plotted, well-planned out arc for the character. Uh, let's talk about Laura because she has a lot of fun, but also I thought really poignant moments throughout the episode. Her visiting the Sisterhood's headquarters and going into the dance with a little bit of the love me, uh, don't yeah, look at me from Rita, yeah, I thought it was really yeah, beautiful. Yeah. It was nice. It was, uh, again, going back to this being sort of like theater kid, um, a bit rooted in being a theater kid, I thought this was really cool. And it all comes back to dance, mm-hmm. just like our lives. Yeah. Uh, We're in that dance troupe, Pete. You haven't come to rehearsal in a while, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm not and it, honestly, show. Pete, it shows. It shows. In <laughs> We're never going to win the competition. Yeah, because this show you're seeing right now is not good. But our last dance show, great, really good. I did like that moment where she was kind of like in the old place, put on the record player, and then was like, "Oh, you're new," and sees the door to the time machine. I thought that was pretty nice. I you was ever just hoping- put on a record. You ever just put on a record and dance, Pete? Yeah, yeah, I have, I have, yes. What's but the record? I, I don't want to get into this right now with you. Um, I, I think that <laughs> the kind of like, uh, I wanted more of a kind of Rita, you know, maybe I was hoping we'd get a little bit more with the, you know, love of the life who died. Uh, you know what I mean? We had a time machine. Nobody was thinking about going back and try. Cause there was a moment where, uh, Madame Rouge was like, oh, I could go and save old what's-his-face. Rita wouldn't hate me then. And then she's like, nope. And it was like, oh, that would have been cool, but I guess we didn't get it. Taylor Swift folklore, Pete? Is that what it is? No. I know, no, that, I know that's playing in your house. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not my record player. Not on my record player. It's a good album. Not on Don't my record down. player. Yeah, Don't yeah. shoot it down, Pete. 
Uh, why don't we call out not, some other moments well, from the episode? One, yeah, yeah. One more thing about um, sort of Laura. The the time the use of time machine in this episode was I thought wild. Like the way the episode ends with them, like here's the fastest Just way to tape get to on the Suez Canal. Is it's it's so Doom Patrol for them to be like we'll ruin our brains and memories and <laughs> yeah. everything to to go three minutes in the future, which also <laughs> didn't make sense. Go back <laughs> to before the nutsack was causing problems. Well, also, Laura, Laura's thing too when she. We've seen multiple ways in this episode that people can get from one place to another beyond, like, being in a giant robot and walking. They go through the fog to quickly get to do that. Yeah, exactly. Flit could go from place to place. And she's like, well, I got to use a time machine to go across town is bonkers. It's hysterical. It's classic Doom Patrol weirdness. A couple of quick notes that I want to call out, just lines that I thought were good. Also, Um, was the... Nutsack, like an evolution of that zombie kind of butt that ran oh, away. Yeah, we didn't have the zombie butt didn't come back. Yeah. Huh. I thought that zombie butt was that, you know, then turned to then maybe giant No, nutsack. I think it was a different thing. It was a nutsack, not a butt. But they're I, very close together on some yeah. people. But they taint the same thing. Oh, <laughs> wow. You should just, uh, I don't know, leave that boardroom. Uh, uh, no, 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 no. He just promoted me to chairman of the board. <laughs> Alex is in a big, busy conference room right now. With being like, I just need I'm a actually... to record this podcast. Uh, hey, guys, uh, keep talking about the fourth quarterly results. I'll be right back to you after I talk about the season three finale of Doom Patrol. Nutsack. Did you say nutsack, sir? <laughs> Quiet. You're fired. <laughs> remember uh, remember when we all thought you were an Otto- Ottoman uh, yeah, that's from Cliff to Very funny. Uh, the thing when they're in the fog and Larry is wrestling with what to do about Keeg and Victor starts going, my uncle had a golden retriever named Bo, and Larry's reaction is, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very funny as well. Very classic. Uh, Doom Patrol. Um, uh, we got an Alanis Morissette CD. It's very important. Oh, uh, come on. That brain. was hilarious. That was a that funny was a fun bit. Moment. That was the, a funny the, bit. The, the brain uh, mala relationship that we saw, I know you mentioned it earlier, Alex, but uh, that's just such a fun thing. It feels yeah. like it's over since the brain is dead, but mala on the loose still. Also, when that happened, Driller had a funny line of like, it seems cruel to keep naming the dog Bo. You know, like that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> that was very good. The whole thing, we mentioned this before, but the whole thing with Laura coming back and not remembering everybody just and quickly recapping things from her notes. The line, Jane dresses like a deranged sock puppet and Jane yeah. saying, fair. Fair, yeah. And then later on in that scene, Jane says, bitch, you turned into a killer baby. So, yeah. Another <laughs> yeah. Very funny thing. Uh and then also the uh, when Cliff is about to explode and he says, got shoved into a fucking transformer. And Jane says, can you transform? And Cliff says, no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, so also, funny. like in the Cliff and Jane kind of fight uh, and they're kind of going back and forth. Cliff yelled, fuck you. You're just pushing buttons when they're trying to stop. Oh, man, that was funny. Uh, another little thing in the background of the yellow, Cloverton Yellow Jackets game, which is the Little League game. There's an Our Town billboard for the town musical. Very fun yes. like, little continuity thing. And also Cliff's line towards the end when they're all about to travel. And he says, this has to be the most people I've had inside of me. And then rattles through the time previous that he had almost as many people inside of him. 
Looking forward to that episode in season four. <laughs> Absolutely. And then I think, maybe I'm way off here, I think they ended with a Doomforce theme song over the credits, or was that a legit song and I misinterpreted it? Uh, maybe it's A theme song like is just a song in disguise. Fair enough. Before we wrap up here, though, with season three, who is most doomed going into season four? Justin, who's most doomed going into season four? Well, we're doomed because we don't get we don't have another episode to watch for a little bit of time because they just started shooting season four when we were when we're recording this. Um, but I think Cliff is still the man who has the most problems. I think he's in a giant robot body. He has his body's ruined. Um, he has Parkinson's. He's never been tested, but I feel like he does. Uh, based on what's him happening. yelling fucking Parkinson's at one point was very funny. Uh, so I think he is the most doomed. Pete, what about you? Who do you think is most doomed going into season four? Niles, that guy's dead. It's awesome. <laughs> wow. I think Gene is in trouble. Everybody else seems pretty cool with what's going on, but clearly there's some stuff going down in the underground. We still don't know where Kay is, what is up with the red eyes down that tunnel or anything oh, like that. Oh, yeah, the red eyes. But- yeah, butts. butts, maybe some butts. So yeah, butts. bad stuff coming down the road. And uh, for all of you, thank you for listening for all of our season three podcasts. As Justin mentioned, we'll be back for season four and maybe a so couple so. of episodes beyond that. If you'd like to support and this podcast, yeah. I was just going to say, like, this is this show is so good. I just wish someone had told us about it sooner oh, because they could know, have enjoyed right? it sooner, oh, you know? It's so good. Not cool, but bro. at least we found our way to it on our own with no help from anyone. <laughs> Patreon.com slash comic book club to support this show and all the, the shows we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more. And now for the last time in season three, a Pete of advice from Pete LePage. Hey, uh, your friends and family would love to hear from you. You should reach out every once in a while. That sounded like a threat. <laughs> that exactly. Also, I love all of your advice is just untethered from the episode. It's just truly <laughs> random advice. It's like, hey, brush your teeth in the yeah. morning. <laughs> <laughs>